Today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast is sponsored by our friends at Colorado Startups. Their mission is to connect startups with needed capital and talent to build industry-changing companies in Colorado. They are the largest online community of founders in the state and a great resource for local entrepreneurs building a big company. On today's episode of the RiderFlex podcast, we have guest Dr. Shan Nair. He's the president of Nucleus. They provide experienced, cost-effective, and personalized service for all your international HR, accounting, taxation, compliance, and legal needs. Nucleus, integrated global operations you can trust. You look, you look good. You look good for your age, Shan. I mean, come Thank on. You. I mean, I, I, you got your, you got the dates on your LinkedIn profile. So when you, when you yes. got your, you know, so I could, I, I kind of know how old you are. Look at, look at you. You look like I'm you're 50. In, I, I was born in 1951. And believe it or not, my dad is 101 years old today. What? Wow. That is super cool. I mean, yeah, my mom are... is 90, is 90, will be 94 in January. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I tried what? calling my dad I, and you know, I was a bit tied up in the morning and I called him to wish him happy birthday, but he'd gone to bed by then because my parents live in Delhi, nine and a half hours plus on me. Gotcha. They just got gotcha. to bed. So that was really annoying. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to call him or rather tonight <laughs> I will call him. Ah, uh, very good. Well, knowing that he lived that long, uh, you you still got a ways to go, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I still run four and a half miles uh, three times a week. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. All right, you're making me feel bad. I've, now I feel lazy and fat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you don't look bad. Uh, Shan, tell the listeners, by the way, for all the listeners, Shan Nair on the Rider Flex podcast. Tell the listeners about yourself a little bit personally before we get into business. Will you give us an overview? A little family stuff. Sure. My father was a diplomat. And um, I was, um, he was a diplomat who joined the um, Indian civil service just two years before India became independent from Britain. That tells you how long ago that was. Wow. Um, and uh, soon after independence, he was assigned to the foreign service and he was sent to Cairo in Egypt. I was born in Egypt. Okay. Um, since then, um, we moved countries um, between every six months and every two years. Uh, so I've lived in uh, all over the Middle East, uh, in, in Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, um, in North Africa, in Morocco, uh, in um, South Asia, in Sri Lanka, and Singapore, Malaysia, Indochina. Mm. Um, I was living in Cambodia during the Vietnam War and vividly remember being in a helicopter being shot at by the Viet Cong from the ground as we were flying from one location in South, former South Vietnam to another. Um, and then I've also lived in Scandinavia and in what was then communist Eastern Europe. Um, and as a student, I traveled extensively in the uh, Soviet Union. So um, I went Pretty to cool. 13, uh, 12 schools in 13 countries in four languages. And here am I running an international company. Surprise, surprise. A company that helps, uh, you know, get, get, get people going in, you know, or a, or a company that helps other companies get going throughout the world. Yeah, I'd be perfect for you. Help U.S. companies sell their products and services overseas. I mean, perfect. And hire yeah, people yeah. Now I know why you're the president. <laughs> uh, 
where do you where do you live now? You live in Naples. I, I live in Naples, Florida. Naples, Florida. Oh my gosh, uh, been there many times. Um, in fact, I've I've partied a few times on the beach down there. I won't tell you about those. <laughs> okay. You know what? I have to. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting town. Lots of beautiful homes down there. Great, great area. Um, do you live on the water? Yes. All right. Uh, could you, I should have I should have had you sit outside and do a little outside shot. What's the temperature today? Uh, 91. Oh, is it? Okay, that's a little warm, but that's okay. No, it's like winter in my part of India, from where I originally come from. So it's, <laughs> it's quite cool. <laughs> uh, do, well, any brothers or sisters, siblings growing up at all? Um, I, have a, I have a sister who lives in London. She's a university professor. Okay. I mean, uh, all right. Speaking of professor, should I call you doctor or no? Just call me Sean. Sean. Okay. I, I was saying Shan earlier. Oh, oh, I was mispronouncing it. Uh, you can, it's. So many different pronunciations have, have happened. I'm used to them all. Okay, now, just so you know, I looked, you know I, I looked that up on YouTube. I watched a couple of YouTube clips and the lady that was introducing you said Shan, so I figured that she had it right, but I guess she had it wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, so talk to me a little bit about the career. Just give me a little bit of a career overview before Nucleus, kind of so that we have a good idea of some of your experiences and then we'll walk into Nucleus if you don't mind. Go for it. Problem. I've had two careers. Um, one as a professional nuclear physicist and the second as an accountant. Um, so the nuclear physicist happened when I, when I was in Oxford. I did my PhD and I was for 18 years a professional nuclear physicist um, involved in nuclear reactor safety. Um, I was over in the US a lot when Three Mile Island happened. I was very mm. heavily involved with the fallout from the Chernobyl accident. Um, to cut a long story short, um, I hadn't won the Nobel Prize by the time I was 38. And um, so I decided that um, I'd better um, change my career um, into something that was easier to do, good, to do well at. Um, <laughs> I, re I retrained as an accountant. Um, and essentially decided that I didn't want a job anymore. I wanted to start my own business. Oh. That was the kernel of what happened. I then built a company called Nairn Co-op from two people, myself and my wife in a room, to about approximately 900 people in multiple countries that oh. I sold to a private equity firm in 2013. Congratulations. I was then, um, thank you. I was then subject to a five-year non-compete when I actually started a UK property business, property rental business. And then I came back into the nucleus fold really because I found that the um, hole in the market that my former company was filling had opened up and I had both clients and ex-employees mm -hmm. asking me, ex-clients and ex-employees asking me if I was planning to come back in. So I thought to myself, I know this market extremely well, the international expansion services market, I know its pulse, I know what works, what doesn't work, what typical customers are, where to find them. I have the staff who are willing to come and work for me to my surprise. Mm. I have clients asking me whether I'm coming back. Um, what's the best thing you do when you sold your company once is to build it up again and sell it a second time. So <laughs> that is exactly what I'm doing with Nucleus. 
Got you. Uh, by the way, do you know how many people I've met that went from physicist to accountant to entrepreneur? Not very many. <laughs> uh, you're the first. My parents always told me I'm an oddball. Uh, and yeah, you confirmed it. I'm not, I'm not an oddball. <laughs> I'm an oddball. You're right. Now, when you sold it the first time, before you got involved in Nucleus, were you thinking, I'm done, I'm retired, I'm in Naples, I'm going to chill, I'm good to go, and then you, you met some people, and they're like, come on, man, come, come help us do this. Is that how, kind of how it went? No, I, 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 um, after selling it, I took three weeks off. Three weeks? Three weeks. I took three weeks off. I enjoyed the three weeks. I lolled about on the beach. Um, then um, I started to get a bit twitchy. And at the end of six weeks, my wife was telling me, um, you know what, I think I'll go down to Miami to spend the weekend with my daughter. See you on Monday. And I realized that um, I really have to do something. My brain doesn't allow me to just sit there and say <laughs> I'm tired. And um, that's why I thought I'll do something that I've never done before, where I have a lot to learn which is how I started the UK property rental business because I know the London property market pretty well having lived in the UK for so many years. So it was an area I knew a little bit about. I knew enough about the dynamics of that market that I could learn more, learn more and actually operate in it. Mm. And that is certainly something I'm doing as a sideline to Nucleus, although I'm uh, you know, in parallel with. Now, at, Nucle at Nucleus, before we get into the overview of Nucleus, can I just ask for clarification? You're the president. Is there, is yeah. there, is there a CEO or, or, yeah. or who? Okay. So are CEO you? My colleague, Venkat, Venkat Eastburn, who's based in Mumbai. Okay. And is there a board of directors? Uh, there is a board of directors. Um, I own 80%. 80? Uh, or eight, with, like, 18? 80. Eight eight oh. Together with my wife. Okay. And Venkat owns two zero. 20%. Well, that answers my question because where I was going to go with that, you probably already know where I was headed. You own, you owned two businesses and you were a captain. So when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I was thinking to myself, now, wait a minute, he was captain for a long time and now he's president and answering to a board and answering to a CEO. Ooh, I wonder how that's going, but you already answered my question. You own 80%. So you're still captain. <laughs> um, well, no, I, I'm not the captain anymore in the sense that the CEO's job is to run the business. I hear, um, yeah. I'm, I'm there to provide support and assistance, especially when there are tricky problems. They can be tricky technical problems, like a client's got a tax issue or an accounting issue or a goods importation issue where I've been there, seen it, done it before for another client 15 years back where we can grab the solution and customize it. Or it could be an organizational or an HR issue where the CEO needs uh, help um, really as, as using me as a sounding board. Okay. I try not to interfere, although I could do, I try not to interfere in the day-to-day -day running of the business because that's not really what I'm about. And that's, and he and honestly doesn't need me. He's, he's a person I've worked with for 17 years in my previous company when I sold it. And he knows perfectly well how to run the business day-to-day. Gotcha. Well, that's, that's great news. Um, interesting that he's the CEO, you're the president, but when, when the board meeting happens, you have the, the most votes, but it sounds like the relationship's working well. Yes, it is. Okay. Very good. All right. So let's do this for all the listeners right now that have no idea what we're talking about. Nucleus, give it to them. Give us, give us, give us the overview. Go for it. You're a U.S. tech company 
you have products you've sold in the US, you might be VC or PE funded, or you might be small to mid cap IPO NASDAQ listed company. You have, you, you intend to, to sell, to be sold, perhaps if you're privately owned. But whichever way, you need to show that your product or service has got international appeal because the US market is the US market. Once you've cracked it, you need to show your investors that you've got further expansion possibilities. Otherwise, nobody's going to come and buy you. So you are going into Europe or Asia or Latin America. You're hiring small numbers of salespeople, maybe three people in one place, 10 people in another place, but, not, but you're not going there to set up an operation with thousand people, right? So you don't have enough headcount in a particular country to internalize your accounting, tax, payroll, and HR functions. And yet in a scale, scale down way, you have the same problems as a company going there hiring a thousand people because you have to produce com country compliant employment agreements. You have to run the payroll for the local rules. You have regulatory filings, depending on what kind of company you've set up, whether it's a company or a branch or a mm -hmm. representation office, there are filings associated with it. So this is where we come in. We say to the client, um, worry not, we have a one-stop shop. You just work with one experienced consultant at our end, who is the conductor of an orchestra, who will pull in people to play the appropriate notes and appropriate filings and appropriate regulatory disclosures have to be made in whichever country it is that you're operating in. So that your employees in those countries can go and either sell their products and services or carry out their R&D, whatever the function is, without worrying about the back office and being chased by the local tax authorities for payments and things yeah. like that, that would divert their attention from their core tasks. So we basically take care of all of that non-core stuff, overhead stuff that um, will impact you, whether you've got thousand people in a country or just three people in a country. Very good. So if Riderflex, my recruiting firm, if we decided to open up an office in the UK, I call you. Yes. Okay. We can right. make it very far. You could go to a law firm and get the company set up. Then you'll go to a employment law firm for employment documents. You'll go to a payroll company for your payroll. You'll go to an accountant to do your tax filings and accounts filing. We basically have accountants, company secretaries and attorneys all on our staff and in the local jurisdictions that can take care of all of this for you through a one-stop shop. So the response is faster and cheaper. Love it. I mean, love it. I mean, it, I, as soon as I read the website and, and was you know studying for the podcast, I thought to myself, well, holy cow, this is a great business. I mean, if you're going to yeah. be in the service business, this is awesome. Yeah, I mean, the USPs are speed of getting ready to do business and cost of doing the business because you've, you've aggregated all these services in one provider. We can carry out a lot of these functions at a much lower cost mm. than we went to individual providers and spread it all out. Are so there countries? And and are there, okay, very good. Are there countries that you don't uh, service or have experience in? Uh, we don't want to do North Korea. We don't want to do Iran. Um, we don't want to do Pakistan. We don't want to do large parts of Africa where the where the countries have a very high corruption index. I see. We have to be okay. very careful of operating in a, in, a, in, a, in a way that we adhere to both the UK Bribery Act and the US FCPA. So we try and avoid those countries. We try and even I've been asked if we can help in Nigeria. I've said no. 
Um, so we generally avoid you know, either banned jurisdictions like Iran and North Korea and Venezuela, um, mm. and also countries with a high corruption index. Mm. Okay, very good. And is it um, like is it a monthly service fee? Is it a six months con- six month contract? Is it kind of a little all over the board depending on the size of the company? What what does it look like if I'm signing up? Uh, typically, it's a you you would sign an engagement letter that doesn't require you to give us any work at all once you sign it, oh. but would govern the terms and conditions on which we do any work that you may choose to give us that is within our capability to perform. Um, the notice, the engagement letter is not for a fixed term, so you can terminate at any time if you're not happy. Because my view is that, you know, if a client's not happy, you don't hang on to a client that's not happy against their will. Well, you know, you don't go legal. You let a client go, and often that's happened. Sometimes clients are happy with the service, but they themselves have a cash flow problem. They want reduced costs. You are unable to provide the service at those costs. They can terminate you and then come back later. In, yep. through another company, the same individual. So um, the engagement is very flexibly worded. Um, and the costs tend to be in three categories. Uh, a, fi- a fixed cost, which is for all the day-to-day regular stuff, like running the payrolls, producing the monthly financial statements. Then there is a time and materials cost that's estimated and is accurate to within plus or minus 15%. So okay. to take your example of setting up a UK company, if you ask me what's the cost, I'll give you the cost and I'll tell you it's plus or minus 15%. Okay. Because we've done it so many times before we, before we know how to do it. And then there's genuine TNM. Like if now you have a UK employee who is suing you in an employment court for a wrongful dismissal. That mm-hmm. one is how long is a piece of string type of cost. Mm-hmm. So that would be genuine TNM. So those are the three categories of cost. You know, you could have a tax audit in a country. Dealing with that is, again, how long is a piece of string type of exercise. Um, so those would be TNM. Okay, very good. So lots of competition. Were there lots of other people in this space or you saw a need for it because nobody was doing this? Talk to me about that. I saw a need for this um, when we when I retrained as an accountant. And then I thought, well, right, I want to set up an accounting firm, but what is my USP? Hundreds of accounting firms. What's my USP? Well, I found this, this niche. This niche is the USP. Um, because these kind of technical issues like you know intercompany agreements, benchmarking of cost plus percentages and transfer pricing benchmarking, mm. these things are um, typically done by the, the large accounting firms and large law firms. And yet the day-to-day payroll and accounts and all are done by small firms. Mm. Uh, the clients we have need a combination of both. And nobody can provide it before we came on the scene. So it was a niche in the market we spotted. And we, the reason we grew so rapidly to 900 people in the former company was because nobody would, we had no competition for about four and a half years. Um, today, Nucleus does have some competition, but it's um, not that um, uh, ex- excessive. You know, the, I've, I've really come across... Um, uh, essentially, the, there is competition in the sense that there are people that say we can do this, solve this problem for you. Mm-hmm. But um, when you look at how they solve it, it's not the way we would solve it, which is very much more streamlined and efficient, I would say. Um, okay. But there is some, uh, some competition, probably about two or three companies that are there, are there in the market that we bump heads with from time to time. 
Well, for you guys, it's a, it's a matter of execution and, you know, taking care of your client. They'll stay with you, right? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's no patented, super secret, uh, you know, uh, protected information. It's, it's a service business. So if you kick ass, you're going to get repeat business. And if you don't, you, you're not going to get the business. So um, uh, Actually, you're right that the clients are, are our biggest ambassadors and also the um, private equity firms that own the clients yeah, bring exactly. us in. Yep. when they have problems in other portfolio companies. But mm-hmm. um, we actually do have a protected uh, knowledge base. Oh. So basically, we have, a, we have an extensive knowledge base that's um, created that basically has within it case studies of every case we've solved. I see. Um, yep. And our consultants have access to it, and there are ways uh, of searching within it to uh, get information. So it's like 18 years of experience is distilled into that knowledge base. Okay. All right. Impressive. All right. I like that. Very good. I love two things that, that attract me right away. If I was going to take my recruiting firm and go into different countries, the two things I, I love, the, the things I love the most so far that you said, number one, you being there and having all of this experience in all of these different countries and having been an entrepreneur, knowing the pains and suffering and sacrifice that it takes to get a company built and how important it is. I mean, you, you just having you there and me talking to you as an entrepreneur and a business owner, I'm just feeling better about trusting you with the service. That's number one. Number two, when you told me it's month to month and I don't have to sign up for a six month contract. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, trust is good. Trust is, you mentioned one word, trust. Yeah. That is absolutely the key. The clients yes. trust them. And basically that's, and we trust the client. And that's why I, I could never let a client down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's, it's yes. not a question of what the contract says. It's a question of honor. And make sure that the client. So we have a rule that every client is equally important, whether they, what, regardless of the fees they pay, whether they're a small client or a large client. But that we also have a rule that we, the client chooses us, but we also choose the client. Amen, brother. So, <laughs> so there are cases where we don't feel very comfortable with a client, with a prospective client we won't take them on. We'll just let, we will politely withdraw from the scene by not responding or by giving a, a, a polite reason why we don't want to continue. You that has happened that, occasionally because you, you need to be very careful about making sure that the clients you take on, you can work with, just as they need to be sure that when they take on a service provider, they can work with them. It's a two-way, it's a two-way win-win relationship. And you've got well, to have the dynamics right, right from the start. You said that a lot nicer than I, than I say it. I, I, I just say, hey, look, that client's an asshole. We're going to fire him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the, the key point there for the listeners, I want to emphasize something real quick for the listeners. Here's the deal. If you're working with a client that is difficult to handle or they don't match your ethics or, or, or whatever, or they pay late or whatever it is, you're going to end up doing a bad job or or you're not going to do as good a job as you normally would because you're just, you're not going to enjoy it. You're not going to like working with the client. Yeah. And that's why it's important to, excuse me, let them go. Yes. Uh, no, we don't take them on. So in other words, once, once they're on, we don't let them go. I've, I've, I, in, in, in doing this business 20 years, I've let two companies go mm. because we, we don't take, if there's any kind of that kind of feeling, we don't take them on. Great point. <clears throat> Do a lot of homework before you sign them up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. How many employees today? 
at Nucleus. Uh, today we have uh, uh, 79 employees. Wow. All right. And uh, can you talk to us about how big the company is in revenue or do you want to share that? Yes. With the company's revenue, uh, the, the, the revenue of the old company when I sold it was from memory approximately $43 million annual. Wow. Today, the revenue of Nucleus is about uh, $8 million annual. Okay. Very good. So he, but we've gone so, from 1 million annual 18 months ago to 8 million annual today. Woo. Okay. All right. You're ramping up. Uh, you know what that means? That means you need more consultants and you probably should hire a recruiting firm like Riderflex. You're going to need more staffing, obviously. <laughs> we, we just, staffing, but, 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 but you know what? I have got a pool of former <laughs> colleagues who want to join. Yeah, that's great. I've, I've told them, you, yes, we'll take you on as soon as we're able to. Yeah, so, that's, that's so awesome. It's a very strange company in Nucleus because all of our employees at senior and middle management level have a minimum of eight years of international expansion services experience because they're coming from my old firm. That's fantastic. Um, sometimes That's they're fantastic. coming directly from the old firm, responding to an advert. Sometimes they've moved to another job and are not happy and are coming from there. Well, that speaks to your leadership, uh, you know, and the fact that you built relationships that last a lifetime and here they are. They're following you in the new company. It's also my management team who built relationships. You know, it's yeah. like a network. Yeah. Yes. So it's, it's not just me because all I'm doing is bringing all the clever guys together who can deliver. I'm not the clever guy. I just know how to find the clever guys. Now, see, that's why people are following you right there because you're quick to make sure you give the praise to your team. Excellent. Love it. <laughs> uh, very good. Uh, okay. Awesome. <clears throat> Sounds like an awesome business. Um, congratulations on what you've built so far. Thank you. Sorry, I got... I'm getting choked on my own podcast. <coughs> my wife gave me my wife gave me some something bad for lunch. I'm going to give her hell here in just a few minutes. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this. Let's switch gears. So, I want to talk about CEO advice and then entrepreneurial advice just a little bit. I know they kind of overlap for you a little bit, but first, CEO, if you don't mind, two or three tips or pieces of advice for first-time CEOs based on what you've learned in your lifetime so far? Okay. First-time CEO. Okay. Um, basically, focus on the core functions of your business. Um, depending on the size of your company, if you're a first-time CEO, the odds are that it's a small company mm -hmm. or a medium-sized company, not a large company. Right. So that one, you need to have your finger on all the hot buttons. Mm. So decide what the hot buttons of the business are um, and then ensure that you follow them up and be on top of them literally from one day to the next. Be prepared to work incredibly long hours. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, right. But it's key, absolutely key, that this first-time CEO, he's in a small or medium-sized company, to be on of the hot button so what i'm what am i talking about when i say hot buttons i mean yeah, give, yep. sales figures but sales lead pipeline um operating costs cash flow employee recruitment plan um uh client satisfaction uh you know the, the, those are the type of typically type of parameters that i will be monitoring day, daily um to give you an idea when i sold that 43 million dollar business i had every email coming into the business, and I was then the CEO, which thankfully I'm not now. Um, I had every email coming into the business copied into an admin box, and I had one um, 
a lady in Mumbai who went through the admin box to find out, to identify any email from a client that showed the slightest level of concern or lack of satisfaction. Impressive. Those emails were in my inbox the next morning. Ooh, I love so it. the staff love knew that there's there's no way you can cover up a client who's not happy. <laughs> I love it. That is great. Reported directly to me at the time. Oh, yep. that is so, that is so good. There is, that's what I mean. It's, I thought when I sold the business that all my ex employees would be saying, "Great, Sean's gone. Let's have a party," <laughs> but, but they all seem to want to come back now. <laughs> That's pretty good right there. I like that. Uh, very good. By the way, all the things you mentioned to keep an eye on, if you're a first-time CEO in a startup or super early stage company, cash flow is, I mean, besides besides selecting co-founders, cash flow is like, right, I, mean, I don't know, number one or two. Because if you run out of cash, it's over. Yeah. 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 <laughs> how, about, how about this? Um, you've been an entrepreneur now for a long time. Uh, if, if there's somebody out there, maybe there's a couple of friends out there, you know, they go to the bar and they, they, they have a beer and they talk about starting a business every weekend, but they never do. <laughs> what advice would you give them to, uh, they're a little scared, a little worried. They got some toddlers at home. They got a mortgage. They're, they, you know, they're making 150 grand a year in their regular job, but they really want to start a business. What advice do you have for them? Well, actually I was like them. I was in a, secure job as a nuclear physicist, working in a state-owned company in the UK. Um, and I wasn't happy, but I was trepidant about walking the plank. Mm -hmm. um, in the end, I walked the plank. Um, I decided that I had enough confidence in what I wanted to do and that I would make it a success, that I decided to take a risk. And my wife actually did the same. So we both resigned from our jobs. We, we remortgaged our house to the hill. We had um, one two-year-old child and three dogs. Um, and we started the business. Now, headhunters from London came down to see both of us and told us, don't do this, don't do this. Because 98% of UK accounting startups fail in their first year. You will have debts and your resumes will look bad and we won't be able to place you in as good a job as if you went looking for one right now. They told me that, they told my wife that. Mm. We both decided that, thank you, but we are going to do this, come what may. Um, and essentially once you're in that position where you've got some capital you raised by remortgaging your house, but the capital every month is going down um, and, and you have 14 months to avoid bankruptcy to build your business, there is a kind of pressure that builds up. <laughs> yeah, just basically just a, just make or break. Bit. Yeah, it's make <laughs> or break. And, and you have to have enough confidence in yourself that it's, you're going to make it, which is what we did. So I think wow. a lot of this is having faith in your own ability to judge what is right and then taking a decision. And, and in my case, I regret sitting in that safe job for so long. I think if I'd left that job 10 years earlier, Amen. Um, yep. I would have been a lot happier. That's my biggest, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. I'm 53 years old and I, I truly don't have very many, but that's one of them. I wish I would have started my own business a lot sooner. Yep. Totally right. agree. Absolutely agree. Now, let me ask you, you both quit. You remortgaged the house. You had some, some cash sitting in the bank. You, you did your own personal cash flow and you're like, okay, we got 14 months. 
-hmm. And the first 90 days or so, was there ever like one of those nights where you woke up at like three o'clock in the morning and you're like, oh shit, uh, I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> actually, actually, I used to go to bed at three o'clock in the morning because I was busy calling California companies from the UK <laughs> asking for business. But I, I hear what you said. Actually, funnily enough, the first three months were fine because I had a consultancy contract that brought us some in for three months that brought okay. us some income. Gotcha. So, so gotcha. I, you know, the plank had a little bit of support, but after three months, it was between month three and month nine. That was a critical time period when mm. we had to turn the mm. corner, mm. which we did. Mm. Congratulations. Really awesome. Awesome stuff. Uh, okay. We were talking about entrepreneurial advice there. Um, so what I hear you saying to those guys that are having the beer down at the tavern is listen, you need some cash runway. So whatever that is, whether it's remortgaging your house or, or you're working a side job and you're stacking some cash over in a side savings account, whatever it is, you need a little bit of cash to get rolling and then believe in yourself and take the leap is what I hear you saying. Take the leap, but make sure you have a plan. Yeah. Um, like, you know, what is, what is your USP and how are you going to achieve it? So make sure you have a plan and don't drink that much beer because alcohol muggles the brain. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. Very good. Thank you for sharing all of that. Now, um, let me ask you this as we head towards kind of wrap up here. You are, what'd you say? 69 years old. Is that what it was? 69? Yeah. 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 Man, you, you, you know, you look good for 69. Uh, let, let me ask you. Like right. Right. You don't, don't feel, feel that way. Nope. <laughs> you, then you meet another 70 year old when you're down there in Naples and you're like, damn, he's old. <laughs> um, actually, I was, uh, I, I said that by mistake about a 55 year old guy. In I said to my wife, God, he's old as me. And my wife said, are you stupid or something? He's 14 years younger than you. Uh, <laughs> but he was in retirement mode. That's a great area. What's the, what's the, where the little country club and the tennis courts are right there in the main road where the little shops are. What's that street called? Fifth Avenue. Yeah. 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 I've been there many times. Um, okay. Let me, another question, a couple more questions here. Well, wrap up questions. Mm -hmm. If you yeah. could call your 21 year old self, I mean, you've, you've, you've been successful, but if you could call the 21 year old guy and tell him anything, to do differently, what would that be? Um, basically, follow your hobby because this is the hobby for me, right? Ah, international ah. trade and um, international GNA is a hobby. It's not a, it's not work. So when I these days I do a sixty hour week. I used to do a hundred and five hour week, but um, a sixty hour week for me, I don't feel tired at the end of it because I don't feel I'm doing a job. Mm -hmm. um, the hobby so whatever the hobby is whether it's i want to be a i like cooking or i like tinkering with cars um uh, or whatever that hobby is it doesn't matter what it is follow that hobby and then see how you can make a profession and a living out of it you know i really feel sorry for people that wake up every single day get in their car and drive 45 minutes to a job they hate you don't, if you're listening, if you're listening to this episode right now, you don't have to do that. You really don't. I know everybody gets trapped. You know, they, they're like, well, I got this certain bill and I got this, I got my mortgages this much and I just bought this new car. So I can't quit this job because I got to have that paycheck. And if I quit, what am I going to do? Blah, blah, blah. 
and then they trap themselves like they're in some sort of prison driving to this this crappy ass job that they hate every day you don't have to do that you really don't have to do it you can change it you can change your your situation right i mean, I mean that's what i did i followed my hobby i like i right from school days i was very good at mathematics mm. and physics that's why i did a phd in physics mm -hmm. um and I enjoyed doing nuclear physics research. Um, but then the organization I was in was privatized by the British government. And I ended up in a company not doing any academic research because I could easily otherwise have been sitting in a university um, doing research. Mm -hmm. um, I was just doing pushing paper. That's when I decided, well, I have to figure out something else that's of interest. And accounting and tax was of interest because I was doing it myself. All my tax returns and accounting work uh, personally, I was doing myself. Mm. So I thought to myself, well, actually, if I've got to give up that hobby, what is my other hobby? Um, I, I've traveled everywhere. I love meeting people from different countries. I understand the culture in Hong Kong that, you know, when you clink glasses with your boss, you always clink it below the top of the glass, never at the same level. Oh, um, didn't know those, that. Kinds oh, of, those kinds of cultures, I understand. So combine the two, international trade. Uh, and then I go in and I think these companies, all these companies in Silicon Valley and elsewhere, they're small companies, but well-funded by VCs and private equity firms. And they're expanding abroad and they're going like babes in the woods and nobody's there to help them. Right. Great. Right. This is my next hobby. So that's what I, I would it. say, you know, follow your hobby. Love it. Love it. How about this? If you had to... Well, maybe the same answer, but I'll ask the question anyway. If you had to put your core purpose in life now, at this age, at this stage in your life, your core purpose in a sentence, what, what would that sound like? Core purpose, obviously, other than family. You mean? You mean yeah, other than family. Yes, yes, sir. Yep. Yeah. To provide, it's a question of honor. Um, provide a top quality service at a price that works for you and the customer, always looking after the interests of the customer, even if sometimes it's not in your interest to advise the customer to do certain things that they need to do. So if Very there's good. something they need yeah. to do, there are two options they have. One is more expensive, it'll give you more fees. The other one is cheaper, better for them, but not better for you. You go for the what's better for them because honesty, integrity, and honor is what is much more important than making any money. Mm, I love it. You've been all around the world. What's your, well, is Naples, Florida, your favorite city on the planet? That's where you settled. I'm just curious if you had to, is it, is it number one? Yeah. And it's number one because it's got a nice warm climate of a third world country. Uh, and yet it's got the advanced infrastructure of mm. a first world country. Mm. So if I go north to North Carolina, I find the winters too cold. Um, don't even... I don't even think about going to New York or Boston. Yeah. Um, uh, California has got crazy taxes, so I don't want to go anywhere near there. Um, Florida has no state tax. The sunshine is free. Uh, the climate is very good. Um, when a hurricane comes, you know days in advance, so you can get out of the way. Um, it's the best of every world, so that's why I'm here. Have you ever taken the little puddle jumper from Fort Myers to Key West, the little, the tiny plane from that little airport? Have you ever done that one? Uh, I haven't done that, but I've taken a, um, a helicopter oh. from Naples to Key West and come back the same day. 
Okay, very good. Yeah, I used to travel that area. The uh, pilot, he would let you set up front next to him, you know, in the co-pilot seat. <laughs> you, know, you can just see. Literally, I did it actually two days before Irma. Oh, really? Before Hurricane Irma. That was quite fascinating because the sea was empty. You couldn't see any face. You couldn't see anything. Just empty. Really? Interesting. Wow. Okay. Uh, um, so you've been to Duval Street at Key West a couple of times. Yes. 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 <laughs> speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of drinking beer. <laughs> uh, I, I something harder than beer, but yes. Right, right. <laughs> uh, Sean, been a pleasure. Uh, really a pleasure. Thank you so much. Nucleus, by the way, for the listeners, uh, anybody that's interested, really it's nucleus-co.com, right? Yes. Yep. And then they can go to the website. Okay. Uh, then go to the website. There's a phone number on there. Uh, there's a contact page and there's a nice little video overview that, uh, that really gives a nice summary about the company as well. I was looking for you in the video, but I didn't see you. No, 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 I'm not the CEO. I'm just the president. Uh, thank you so much for being on the Rider Flex podcast, doctor. I appreciate it. If you think today's tip or guest interview can help someone you know, please share this with them. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our channel and hit the like button. If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to hit that little bell next to the subscribe button so you can be notified when we release a new episode. Our show features entrepreneurs, business executives, and the stories behind how they got there, as well as daily tips on career advice and job interviews. You can visit riderflex.com to learn more about us and get information on the recruiting and consulting services we provide. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day.